This is La Feminista Chismosa, the feminist pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Renee Limas, and I will be exploring all the juicy chisme of pop culture from a Latina feminist perspective. OMG, did you watch that episode last night? Let's talk about it. Hello, hello, hello. This is La Feminista Chismosa, the feminist pop culture podcast with your host, Renee Limas, Dr. Renee Limas. Um, I really hope you all enjoyed my first episode where I broke down Scandaval. Um, I mean, and there's still so much unpacking around that, but um, I am here in this episode to talk about the Barbie movie. Um, so I was trying to like wear some pink, even though I wore pink in my last episode. Um, I do love me some pink. I have to admit that. Um, and so I want to talk about the Barbie movie. I actually went to go see it by myself, um, because, you know, I was just like waiting around, like who's going to go see it with me. And I wasn't sure if it was appropriate for my kids. And so, um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go see it by myself. There's a, a new like movie theater that opens up like really close to my house. So I bought myself a ticket and I went to go watch it. And so I want to talk about it. I want to start. I made myself some notes here. I want to start actually with my relationship to Barbie. Um, I think there's so much commentary out there about the movie, which I really appreciate. Um, but I just, I wanted to really kind of hear from somebody who had like this childhood connection to Barbie and like what their perspective about the film is. Um, and so, because that's, that was my relationship. So growing up, I loved Barbie. I had a million different Barbies. Um, I had the Barbie dream house. Okay. So technically it wasn't the like official Barbie dream house. It was like a dollhouse, right? Cause I don't think my parents could afford the Barbie dream house. Um, so they bought me like the next best thing, which I absolutely loved. I didn't care. Um, my Barbies had a car, they had a Corvette. And then, um, I remember my grandmother got me like these two little horses for my Barbies. I had all the different Barbies, right? Um, I had Skipper and I had Midge and I had Stacy, um, which if you see, see the movie, like towards the end, you kind of see all these different variations. Um, I had a black Barbie. I had a brown Barbie. <laughs> like I had everything. Um, and I, you know, I was a kid in the 90s. So just to give you all some perspective, um, Barbie and the evolution of Barbie has had such a shift over the last, you know, I don't know how old am I, 40, <laughs> like 25 years since I've played with them. Um, but just to kind of historically place that. So in the 90s, I loved Barbie. And um, Barbie really, for me, gave me an opportunity to like explore my creativity because I was the type of person where I got a Barbie, but I didn't just like, I don't even know if I ever really called her Barbie. I, um, I liked to give all my Barbies like different names and I even gave them different birthdays. <laughs> I had this calendar where I would put all their different birthdays. Um, and they all had like a different backstory and, you know, um, 
like thinking back now, thinking of myself as a writer now and thinking back then, like it was kind of the first time where I explored like storytelling, right? Like how did these Barbies relate to each other? Um, I definitely was, um, you know, always changing their clothes and I love me some accessories. And um, I even, my, when my mom taught me how to sew like by hand, I was making them outfits. Um, I was definitely, you know, thinking about the movie and the the weird Barbie. <laughs> so this episode is going to have tons of spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, I would suggest you go see it before you, you know, listen to this episode. But so in the movie, they have weird Barbie. And it was funny because my mom, who hasn't seen the movie yet, but she's seen all the like media coverage about it. And they talk about weird Barbie. And she's like, oh, you had all your Barbies were weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was like, oh, I thought I had like one or two that I kind of like messed with. But um, I guess her, you know, memory of it is that I was really I, I, because for me and I think she knows this, like Barbie's really gave me an outlet for my creativity. Um, and I and I, I want to say this, like I completely recognize, obviously, right, as a feminist scholar, what the critiques are of Barbie, right? The ways in which she Barbie as a toy you know, absolutely perpetuates a white standard of beauty, right? Recognizing the ways in which she's often, you know, um, portrayed as white. And maybe because I was, um, you know, white passing, right? There was an, an accessibility for me through that. But um, so, like, I understand all the critiques about it, right? And I think that um, it's okay for us to like we can do both, right? Like there's, there absolutely has to be this like nuanced relationship, right? Like we can recognize that we were, especially in the nineties, early nineties, right? For me as a kid, there was not a lot of options for me in terms of toys, right? Um, I mean, toys are still very much gendered today, but back then even more so, right? Like toys were absolutely gendered and they were gendered within this very like specific purpose, right? So there was like the easy bake oven, right? And, you know, um, the kitchen, right? And all these things that were like had a very specific role. And I felt like even though I was given Barbie, which, you know, again, had this you know, was still kind of perpetuating this patriarchal worldview um, within beauty and body standards and all of that. It was still, you know, given that it was the only thing I had, it was the thing that allowed me to um, enact my agency, right? And enact my creativity, right? I think we have to really look at things like that. Um, again, I when I watch a movie or when I, you know, there's a movie that I really want to watch, I try to stay a away from as much of the like think pieces because I want to like get my own um, opinion about it. But I, you know, I saw the headlines and I saw what the different like general critiques were. Um, so I understand like, you know, the full range of what people are saying about the movie. Um, but again, for me, when I think back about my relationship to Barbie, it was really this beautiful, like I loved Barbie and, and it really meant a lot to me because again, it was, you know, I was, yeah, I was creating storylines <laughs> for these Barbies and I was even, I mean, what little girl who had Barbies didn't explore sexuality, <laughs> right? When we were like taking their clothes off or, you know, exploring like little different sex scenes, like, right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things, a lot of gifts that I got from Barbie. I was, you know, again, really ex allowed me to explore my creativity. And, and there did come a point in my life where I was like, wait, they're all kind of white, you know, and they all kind of look the same. And where is the Latina Barbie and, and those things. And I remember when they came out with like the official Latina Barbie 
I think I was already kind of older, kind of on my way out of that. But I was still like appreciative to see that. Um, so yeah, I just I I really I have a very loving relationship to Barbies, right? To those kinds of dolls. So when um yeah, so I want to say that, right? That I had a very beautiful relationship with it because it allowed me to explore my creativity. And I think as a whole, when we're dissecting these kinds of things, right, these kinds of cultural phenomenons, and we're making these feminist critiques about it, we want to still like leave space for where we have inserted our agency, even in these things that are are created and meant to perpetuate patriarchy, right? Because we're not just you know, empty vessels, right. That are just like robots that, you know, are being, yes, we are being indoctrinated on some level, right. We're being socialized into these very particular roles. Um, but we do have some agency in the ways that we're able to negotiate our relationships with those things, right. And find the ways and find the ways that maybe we can co-opt those things, right. And make them work for us, especially if these are the only options that we're given. Right. Um, I actually talk a lot about that back to my dissertation. <laughs> I actually talk a lot about that in my dissertation, right? The ways in which we sort of like negotiate our identities based on like these um, skewed representations, but it's not just like one way, right? We're able to kind of have agency in the ways that we, um, you know, enact and, and um, you know, handle these kinds of cultural phenomenons, right? Um, let's see. Yeah. We can have agency in the ways we interact with problematic representations, right? So we can like flip them on their heads, right? So they can they can have a particular intention and we can take a different meaning from them, especially if we have like a conscious understanding of like why they were created, right? Okay, so I loved Barbie. So when the Barbie movie was coming out, I was excited. Um, I was, I think when I officially, I initially heard the idea of a Barbie movie, I was like, oh God, because again, I know what the critiques are and I agree with the critiques of Barbie, right? And I thought, okay, what are they going to do? And then when I saw um, Margot Robbie playing Barbie and um, Ryan Gosling, I mean, who doesn't love Ryan Gosling? <laughs> He's like a perfect Ken, right? Um, I was like, okay, like it makes sense, but also like, and then, um, you know, as as like filmmaking unfolded and, and um, you know, Greta Gerwig, who's the director, right, all of these things started to come out. Like, I was like, okay, I think they're going to do something interesting here, right? I think they're going to do something interesting. Um, and then, of course, the movie comes out and there's all the like, you know, media coverage and all the things. And I, I love to see all the like cutesy things, right? Like the wearing pink and the like, you know, just exploring our different relationships to Barbie. And then, um, and then of course, um, I see like all the backlash, right? All the backlash from like conservatives, Republicans, Christians, all the things about like, oh, this is feminist propaganda. And so of course, for me, I'm like even more interested. I'm like, well, now I really have to see this movie. Um, so I thought, yeah, so I went to see the movie. And so I want to kind of, I mean, I'll, I'm going to give my review and give, I'll kind of give my sort of general, you know, review, and then I'll kind of dive into the specifics. So I think overall, given what I like knew what the critiques were on this side, right? Like the, the conservative, um, 
you know, Christian <laughs> Republican like critiques, right? And then of course you have the like radical feminist critique, right? And understanding it as like this white feminist fantasy kind of thing. And so I get it. Like I, I really kind of, you know, had a, a lay of the land of like what the range of critiques were. So I went to go see it again with my own relationship with Barbie, my own relationship with feminism, really. So overall, I enjoyed the movie, right? I thought it was cute. I I love the aesthetics of the movie. I mean, you to get to see Barbie come to life, right? With the, you know, with the dream house and the cars and the outfits, like that was really like my inner child <laughs> loved it, right? Like my inner child was like, oh my God, this is my like you know, eight-year-old room, right? Because my room, you know, my room was dedicated to this big house, Barbie house that I had. Like, this was my eight-year-old, you know, room come to life. And it, there was just such beauty and magic in that. And I really, really appreciated that. So overall, I, I enjoyed the film. Um, so I'm going to start with some of my, like, critiques of it. Um, and then I'll get into some of the things that I really appreciated about it and then kind of land on like, what does it all mean? Okay. I actually want to start with Ken and some of the men in the film. So, you know, we see that Barbie world or Barbie land or whatever it is, Barbie land is this very femme centric, right? Women centric place, right? Where Barbie is queen, right? And Ken is immediately sort of um, uh, viewed as like secondary, right? They're obviously very different from the real world or reality where women are often, you know, secondary. Um, and it's interesting because in the beginning, the narrator right away, okay, so this is, this is one of my like overarching critiques is it is meant to be a blatantly feminist film, right? I mean, within the first five minutes, the narrator even talks, says the word feminism, right? Which I, it's like, wow, that was kind of shocking, right? Um, honestly, shocking for a mainstream film to really position itself as a feminist film blatantly within the film very early on, right? Like, though we know that it's blatantly meant to do that, right? It is meant to be this feminist film. Um, and there was a lot of ways in which we sort of see that like blatantly and explicitly play out, which again, I can appreciate because I think that we need that sometimes, right? We need films to like really spell out what's going on. But maybe because of my own relationship with feminism, what I actually appreciated more was the subtle um, forms or nods to feminism or, you know, unpacking patriarchy, like actually like appreciated more those kinds of things. Those kinds of things were the things that made me laugh. Like, so the narrator within the first couple minutes talks about Ken um, and says something like, um, Ken is only happy when Barbie looks at her. Right. So in other words, saying that he only finds, finds value when Barbie sees her, when Bar him, when Barbie sees him, when Barbie recognizes him, right? Like his value is contingent on her. And I laughed out loud. <laughs> I literally laughed out loud in the theater. And let me say, um, I went to go see it on like a, I think it was like a Sunday evening and it's a, it's a brand new theater. So I was like one of two people and there was like these teenage girls in the back, 
like filming TikToks and shit. So, <laughs> so I was kind of like the only one in the theater and I'm laughing, right? Um, because again, to me, that's like a subtle dig at patriarchy, right? Like recognizing, oh, as women in a patriarchal society, we're told very early on, right? We're socialized to believe that our value is contingent on a men's ability to find us attractive, to see us, right? Men give us value. Like we don't have value in and of ourselves, right? So again, to me, like that little subtle, like um, acknowledgement of like patriarchal dynamics was much more funny and powerful to me than a lot of the like more explicit things, right? So when I think about Ken and I, when I had heard a lot of the things about the movie, um, I guess I just assumed that, you know, whatever Barbie's mm, trajectory was going to be like central to the film. And I think it was, but I didn't expect Ken to play as big of a role in the film as he actually did. Um, so, and I was actually a little like, I have to say, I was a little confused by the arc of his character, right? So we see in the beginning, he's very much like, drooling after Barbie, right? Like trying to get her attention. And she's kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, and then we see him go into the real world and he learns about this thing called patriarchy and then tries to bring patriarchy back into Barbie land. And I think his, I think, right. I say think, because this is all based on what, you know, my reading of the film is, I think, you know, he was attracted to patriarchy because it felt like, again, he wouldn't have to be defined by Barbie, right? He would get to be defined by his manhood, right? Or like, this would be the thing that would make him be seen outside of Barbie. Um, or maybe he thought like, this is, you know, I'm going to get Barbie's attention if I like do this thing. Um, so he takes patriarchy back to Barbie land. Um, and then, you know, we know that Barbie and him kind of have this conflict and the Barbies seek to like basically overthrow, right? The patriarchy. And then we see Ken kind of have this moment where he's trying to like figure out who he is. Right. Um, and you know, the whole like song and dance that comes from that. And then the idea of like, I'm Kenneth. I'm enough, right? Like, I'm enough, which we know, right? Like women in a patriarchal world often struggle with that idea of like, are we enough? Um, but I, I just, I was like, I don't know. Like, I was just really confused. Like, where was, what was his intentions? Did he, I felt like the character just, and maybe this was purposely done, right? It just wasn't developed enough. Like, I just didn't get it. Like, I really didn't get his purpose in the film, um, I think they could have created conflict and other things in different ways. I think there was so many other things to explore besides that kind of relationship. Like it was just, it was really strange to me. Um, even the whole thing of like the, the Barbies used like patriarchal norms, right? Like they're like, Oh, we're going to seduce the Kens and we're going to like, you know, and then they're, we're going to pit them against each other and we're going to overthrow everything while they're like fighting each other. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it was just weird to me. And then him and like, where did him and Barbie land? Like, are they friends? Are they not friends? What does that look like? And maybe again, these are all purposely done for us to kind of have these questions. I don't know, but it just didn't feel like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't get it. I didn't, you know, what is the feminist message in his character arc, right? Like what was the purpose of it? 
I think also the 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 Mattel board, right? They were all men. And and I think that was funny, right? To kind of say like, hey, look, this is this very feminine, very woman uh, toy, uh, you know, marketed specifically to a woman. And it's all men in a boardroom making decisions, which we know happens all the freaking time, <laughs> right? Men in a boardroom, men, you know, in Congress making decision about women's bodies, right? Like we know that happens. So again, it was kind of like, oh, that's funny, right? And then you kind of see them trying to chase Barbie to get to put her back in in Barbie land and like and I, I again and, and then because I, I kept thinking like oh these are the villains right these are the bad guys these are the guys who created Barbie and they're gonna try to like reinstate the patriarchy right like within the real world by making sure Barbie stays in Barbie land and then so you see them kind of go into Barbie land. And then they, get, they just kind of get lost in there. And then they just go back. Like, again, I, like, Ken started off making sense. These men kind of started off making sense. But then the character just kind of, like, falls off and doesn't really make sense in, in like, in the movie. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Now, you know, as I say this, I'm like, maybe this was done on purpose. We know so often women's roles in films right? And maybe this is a question for Greta Gerwig, but we know that women's roles in films often do that, right? Where they're kind of like have this thing, they're meant to kind of push, you know, create some kind of conflict, but then like, you know, the man saves the day and like, that's it, right? Like we never really see the the full character arc of a woman. So maybe, you know, maybe it was a, a strategic thing, but I was just left really confused because yeah, well, I'll, I'm going to come back to kind of how it all ends, you know, later on. But yeah, I was just a little confused by by that. So I was like, eh, I feel I felt like there was an opportunity here to either really see the full circle of what men's role within even feminist feminism can be, or it was like we don't need them all together, right? What I did appreciate, right? Like if we just throw all the men out, <laughs> what I did appreciate was I appreciated the character arc of Barbie, right? I I really love seeing um, this idea of Barbie having an existential crisis, <laughs> you know, where she's like singing and dancing, and then she's like, oh, have you ever contemplated death, right? And they're like, what, right? Um, and she, you know, she's just kind of, and to me, you know, being 41 years old now <laughs> and kind of dealing with my own existential crisis about life and like, we, you know, because especially again, as women, we're socialized to believe that we're supposed to be perfect and we have to act a certain way and do certain things. And that if we do those things, you know, we're going to find happiness through perfection and through, you know, gender roles and, 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 you know, buying in and playing into these, these, you know, stereotypical gender roles. And then one day we wake up, right? At least myself, <laughs> you wake up and you're like, wait, what? Like, this is not where I expected my life to be, right? You have these existential thoughts. And so I really liked that. I even liked, um, there was a point in the movie where, you know, whatever she's doing kind of reflects how the toy is getting marketed in the real world. And so you see that all of a sudden there's like depression Barbie and it's like, have you, you know, stayed in your pajamas all day and scrolled on Instagram all day? And, you know, like all these things, I remember, like every, all the things that they were naming, like the symptoms of depression. I was like, oh my God, I've done that before. <laughs> right. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, am I depression Barbie? Um, and you know, they show her kind of like all haggard, right. Con you know, 
in contrast to like perfect Barbie, right? Or stereotypical Barbie as they call her in the film. So I thought that was, I thought that was cute. I thought it was a cute nod to, yeah, like this is the reality of women's lives, right? That we kind of have these moments where we are struggling with the expectation of perfectionism, but the, like the realities of our lives. Um, and then, yeah, and you kind of see her coming into her own and she's like gaining consciousness throughout the film. Um, and um, and I really, yeah, I really liked to see, again, because we know for so long the critiques of Barbie have been, right, that she like plays into these gender roles and she plays into this very stereotypical, um, you know, standards of beauty and all of these things. And for Barbie to become conscious and, you know, even when she goes into the real world and because she thinks like Barbie changed the the real world for women, right? And it empowers them. And when she goes and realizes, right, when the when the little girl tells her like, no, you you fucked it up for us, right? She's like, what? Right? She comes to realize that she's actually a tool of patriarchy. Um, like, I thought that was, I again, I just, it's those subtle ways for me that like make more sense or are more funny and are powerful, right? Than the more explicit ways. So, so I really appreciated the, the mother-daughter relationship, you know, America Ferreira who plays Gloria um, and then the daughter Sasha, right? I thought... I really liked seeing um, that mother-daughter relationship unfold, right? I think it was very much relatable, right? You see the kind of teenage girl. Well, you kind of, you know, we we figure out, right, that at some point they have this very close relationship. And then, you know, because they're playing Barbies together. And then later on in the teenage years, you see that kind of separation. You see that clashing. And for me, I very much relate to that, right? Like thinking about my relationship with my mother when I was a teenager and how much we clashed. Um, and I think that, you know, this movie not only explore the reality of that, like what happens, you know, but did it in like a really beautiful and healing way, right? Where we don't see this like clashing um, you know, like mother-daughter rivalry, right? But we see like, this is, you know, like the mother really wants to connect with the daughter, but also I, I guess I read it as like, she, she sees like, this is just normal teenage stuff, right? And the mother's also dealing with her own stuff, right? Her own existential crisis, her own, like, you know, trying to figure out who she is, right? And I, I really very much appreciated that. And then, Seeing how both of them together exploring this childhood toy, right? Exploring together their personal relationship to Barbie, both separately, individually, and together is what allowed them to heal, right? That beautiful, like, inner child work, right? She, um, Gloria, the mother, right, is like, she's, you know, going through Barbie land, like, oh my God, like, this is so cool, which would totally be me, right? And the daughter's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know about this mom, right? But that in the end, it was what brought them together. And you see that that mother-daughter bond, right? That healing that happens, right? That being able to see each other as humans, being able to see the daughter as this like 15-year-old girl who's going to have her own life and her own thoughts and opinions. And the daughter being able to see the mother, you know, for who she is and what her struggles are and really being able to see each other like, I really, really liked that. I think for me, you know, <laughs> I would have appreciated that. I think as as a teenager, you know, um, being able for my mom to be able to see me, right? But 
I know that when our our relationship changed, when I was able to see her too, right? When I was able to see her humanity beyond just her as my mom, right? I, it took a lot of years and a lot more fighting <laughs> for us to get there. But, and that's why, again, I think the movie was so beautiful in being able to represent, right? That mother-daughter relationship in a like conflicting kind of way, but ultimately very healing. And we get to see like that full arc of that relationship. Um, one of the other things that really stood out to me again as a feminist scholar right is and a lot of the things that's being talked about is america ferreras right her character gloria's speech right so when she's there with the barbies and some of them have been brainwashed by the patriarchal kens right and she's you know going off on the speech of like we're you know women are expected to do this but not too much right and we have to kind of be a little bit like this but not a not not too much right like and she goes into basically what we know is the experience of women, right, in the world, real world, where we're expected to be perfect and we still have to do everything, right? We have to do everything with a smile on our face. We can't get too angry, like all of the, the gendered expectations and how exhausting that really is. And what's interesting is that we see that when she makes that speech, those Barbies that had been brainwashed, it's like literally you see she's like, ah, right? And she like wakes up. Right. Um, and she's like, oh, my God, <laughs> I've been brainwashed and I really am smart and I really am like independent. Right. Um, and that's, you know, consciousness. And that's, you know, if we look historically right here's where I put my little women's studies hat on women's studies professor hat on is um, second wave feminism. Right. Um, which sort of leads the way to you know, what we're kind of considering at this moment of third wave feminism, but second wave feminism really headed different from first wave feminism, right? Um, but second wave feminism really is focused a lot on what's called consciousness raising, right? And this was headed by a lot of women of color. So black women, um, Latina, Chicana women, right? Asian women, indigenous women were really, you know, first wave feminism is really centered on the suffrage, right? Suffrage era. So uh, about the right to vote, right? Thinking like that's how women are going to gain equality. Now, again, we know that this was primarily for white women, right? So when we talk about the um, gaining the right to vote, it was primarily white women who gained the right to vote. It wasn't until like decades later that women of color were um, granted the right to vote. So anyway, um, but it was, you know, first wave feminism was very much focused on electoral politics as a means towards equality, whereas second wave feminism, because women of color are taking more on, taking on more leadership roles um, at the mainstream level. Right. We see that we're not just looking at electoral politics, right, as a means of equality, but we're really looking at patriarchy as a system. Right. As a part embedded in our society. And we're looking at the first the first way to really begin to address the needs of women is to recognize what the problem actually is, right? And to see that we have been socialized, we have been indoctrinated into patriarchy since before we're even born, right? In a, so many different ways, right? Um, and so there's these you know, in second wave feminism, we see that books are being written books are being written and you know, groups are being organized and all these things in order to raise women's consciousness, in order for us to really begin to look at the insidiousness of patriarchy and the ways that it manifests in our life, right? 
And many of us know ourselves, right? That, you know, when we were little, maybe we just understood the world to be the way it was. And then all of a sudden we start reading things or we start hearing things or we start putting our, our experiences into context. And we're like, whoa, right? No, this is fucked up, right? And we have to do what we all know as unlearning, right? We have to unlearn the ways of patriarchy. We have to unlearn the ways of white supremacy, right? But there's that moment of consciousness where we realize what patriarchy is. We realize what white supremacy is, right? Even if, if for some people it's really young, right? But when we learn how structural it is, how institutionalized it is, right? Those are moments of consciousness, right? Um, and sometimes, right, I, you know, for me, as somebody who's always been immersed, right, in feminist rhetoric, um, and for many of people probably watching this, right, who is immersed in feminist rhetoric and in, in, in feminism in so many ways, um, it's just always kind of been a part of our world. But for so many women, it's not, right? For so many women, it does, there is this kind of light bulb moment that happens, right? for, you know, because maybe different other things, a book that they read or a friend that they spoke to or a women's studies class that they took, right? Like there's a lot of different ways in which they have that light bulb moment, that coming to consciousness and understanding of, of patriarchy. And so I think that to kind of play that out in that film, I thought was really cool. And I think, you know, yes, a lot of us who are immersed in feminism are like, okay, we need, we're, we're beyond that, right? Like, we're like, okay, we know, we know patriarchy's a thing. We know it's fucked up. We know it's, you know, intersected with white supremacy and all of that. Now we're like, you know, what do we do next? But for so many women, they're still in a place where they're coming into the consciousness of that. And so I do think that a film like this, can be really important for those people, right? To really understand the dynamics of how patriarchy plays out in our lives. So I, I appreciated that moment, right? And then they use like her kind of like talking to all the different Barbies um, as a means to like bring them into consciousness, right? I kind of felt like, I mean, I didn't feel like it then, but I feel like now that I'm saying it, like that's what I do <laughs> as a feminist professor is, um, you know, students come into my class and, um, I do my best work if by the end people have a deeper understanding of how patriarchy works, how white supremacy works, and how empowering feminism can be, right? Um, so I felt like that's what she was doing, right? She was doing her like feminist preaching. <laughs> um, and women were able to like be de-indoctrinated from patriarchy, be deprogrammed, right? And then be able to together collectively come back and take, you know, take their rightful place in in, in Barbie land, right? So I appreciated that again, because I think it's a really important thing, right, that happens. Um okay, so again, I think um you heard my critiques, my confusion around like what the purpose of Ken was, what the purpose of these other men were, but also maybe thinking that it was, it's a, it's a strategic way of portraying them because women are often portrayed that way in so many ways. Um, and I really appreciate the mother daughter relationship. I really appreciated that like moment of consciousness raising that happens with the Barbies. Um, but coming back, like bringing those two things together and really, again, coming back to like how it all kind of ended. Right. So we see Ken's, you know, um, bringing patriarchy to Barbie land and then the Barbies come together to de-indoctrinate, right. Their fellow Barbies. 
And then they say, and then we need to pit them against each other, right? Um, and while they're busy fighting each other, we're going to go and take over. And I like, again, if we're, if we're calling this a feminist film and we're saying that women are then using the tools of patriarchy, right? Because so they're like, oh, we're going to like seduce them and lure them using our like sexuality and using our, you know, are the ways in which they objectify us, right? Like all those things um, or like they're wanting our attention, right? Like whatever it is, we're going to manipulate men, right? And then, um, and then we're going to take over, right? And I felt like, I don't know, again, I think it was a missed opportunity because, and this is where I, it, it makes sense that this is definitely seen by a lot of women of color as a white feminist film, right? Because we know that, again, historically speaking, when we've had women's movements, especially things like separatist movements, right? Where women were saying, we just need to create communes where it's just women, right? And people of color, right? Marginalized folks have not always had that privilege of right, being able to somehow separate themselves from men. Um, because they actually have to, right? So I, I'll use the Chicano movement as an example, right? Chicanas couldn't separate themselves from their men because, well, you know, other than like economic and <laughs> those kinds of reasons, but they were still fighting alongside them in the battle against racism, right? And in the battle against, you know, all of those things. So they couldn't afford to turn on their men, right? And be separatists from them. Um, they actually had to figure out ways, like how do we, you know, and, and I'll say this for myself and even women within our, in, in my community and that I, you know, go with, talk to, right? In my circle of friends, we often talk about, yes, it can be very exhausting, right? But at the end of the day, like, we can't just get rid of men, right? Especially because a lot of us have sons, right? A lot of us have children. And, you know, what is it that we want them to have, you know, as they as they grow into men, right? Into the next generation. So I just thought, like, and then even, like, the idea of women manipulating men, like, I guess for me, I would have appreciated, or this could have been an opportunity to say, where is the moment of consciousness raising for men? Right. So if we see that Barbie was able to enact consciousness raising, right, as a tool of empowerment, as a tool of taking back our power, um, is there a possibility to do that for men as well? Again, you know, we can say, well, that's not the labor of women. Women shouldn't have to do that. But I also didn't think it was really powerful to use manipulative tactics to then like it was just weird I don't know I just I don't know like I was like uh, okay and then they just go back and take over and then what was again we never really see what Ken's or the rest of the Ken's like what their resolution was and I think the reason why maybe that's so kind of scary to me is um that and I and I guess because you know, in the real world, patriarchy is so insidious and so looming. And knowing that even the best of men can still perpetuate patriarchy, even women can perpetuate patriarchy. So without a really solid resolution of Ken and and or or really seeing him being able to unpack why patriarchy is problematic, um, then you're always like, there's the threat of him wanting to come back and do it again. 
right? There's the threat of patriarchy being able to um, rear his ugly head again. And so that's why it was, it kind of left me a little uneasy. Like, well, we, if we don't see a resolution of where the men land on this, then what's to stop them from trying to do it again, right? Like, <laughs> um, or where is their eye-opening moment to realize like, oh, patriarchy actually hurts us too, right? Like we suffer under patriarchy as well, right? And we know that to be true in the world, real world, right? That men, boys in particular, right? That grow to be men suffer so much under patriarchy, right? By suppressing their emotions and suppressing their own um, femininity, right? Like in all of those things. So yeah, it just, I think it left me a little uneasy, like what the resolution of the men in the film was. Um, but again, maybe it was, it was strategic to do that. Um, I think, um, what else, what else, what else, what else? I'm like, what else did I, okay. So all of that being said, right? Like all of my critiques there being said, Oh, one more thing before I get to that. So the other thing that I kind of thought was funny and I would have liked to see a little bit more exploration was, um, was the like underlying homoerotic relationships between the Kens, right? I think another funny moment was when like, you know, I'm beach Ken and I'm going to, you know, beat you off and like, let's beach each other off. Like I <laughs> thought that was hilarious because again, you know, there's always this sort of talk about, um, about Ken, right? And like, anyway, like, there's just that like gay undertone of it all, right? Um, so I was like, I would have loved maybe to me a better resolution, maybe, right? To explore would have been that turns out that they just are in love with each other. <laughs> like, I thought that would have been, you know, kind of interesting to see that. I, I mean, I think I would have also appreciated uh, lesbian kind of relationships between the Barbies as well. Like, um, because how many of us, again, didn't, exp I mean, maybe I'm speaking for too many people, but like, I think I explored that, you know, when I was playing with Barbies, like, what is like a girl and girl relationship look like, right? Especially because I didn't really have a Ken. The closest thing I got was um, one year I was gifted Beauty and the Beast. So it came with Belle and the Beast, right? And so that was like the only Ken that I had. Um, and that was like, later on so I didn't really I don't know I didn't because I, yeah I was you know maybe that's why I'm feminist because I was all about women <laughs> um anyway so I thought that was really interesting and I would have loved maybe a little bit more like queerness to be explored um in that way and and the Kens and um oh another scene that I thought was really not I mean it was funny but it was also so telling right it was when when Ken and Barbie first go into the real world and she feels objectified and sexualized right um for the first time and he's kind of like oh I, you know she's like i feel threatened right and he's like oh and i don't <laughs> again it was like that subtle way of saying like this is you know this is how scary it can be right if you've never experienced that right barbie's never experienced being objectified and sexualized in that way and then all of a sudden she feels it it feels very very threatening right but i love the scene where she's like you know, this feels kind of threatening, but I just want to let you know, I don't have a vagina and he doesn't have a penis and we don't have any genitalia. And I thought that was hilarious, right? Because it was, you know, and we know that Barbies didn't have genitalia and like, you know, it opens a Pandora's box about like, why didn't they have genitalia? What were they anyway? Um, but I thought, that, and he was like, he was, you know, all of a sudden kind of threatened, like, you know, the lack of penis, right? It was also very like Freudian. There was a lot of stuff in there. And again, see, to me, those kinds of things are so much, those like subtle little digs at things are so much funnier than the more explicit things. But, but I do, uh, but you know, I do appreciate, uh, you know, an explicit feminist 
film as well. So, okay. So all of that being said, um, I think I, I appreciated the movie. I thought it was cute. I think I, I'd be willing to like see it again to maybe, you know, do a little bit more unpacking and maybe read a little bit more about Greta Gerwig's intentions with different parts of the film. Um, so I did, I did like it. I did. There was some parts of it that did, did confuse me and did kind of like, mm, I don't know, like, I don't know if it was as feminist as people really like for them to really get so afraid of this film. Right. I was like, it's not, it's not like a radical feminist film. Right. Um, but you know, again, I think when, when you actually say feminism in the film that scares certain people. So I get it at the same time for whatever my critiques are and whatever anybody's critiques are, we have to remember that this is just one film, right? And one film is not going to address all the nuances of patriarchy and feminism. Like it, it can't, it's impossible, especially when you're dealing with production studios that are probably, you know, run by men and you're dealing with Mattel, right? Who still has a vested interest in the way that Barbie's being portrayed, right? Cause they're still trying to sell Barbies, right? Which, you know, my bets are that it's going to be a very big Christmas toy this year. Um, I don't know. I might, might, I might buy myself a Barbie this year. My mom, you know, has been trying to get rid of stuff in her garage and she's like, I've got your box of Barbies up there. I'm a little afraid they're just all going to be naked and like look like weird Barbie. <laughs> um, but again, I think, I think weird Barbie is actually like a nod to all of like the creatives, right? Cause we were like, Oh, we don't want to be stuck within this box of what Barbie came like right we want to be able to change her and have her look for me i always ha liked having really short hair right i mean this is the longest i've had it in a really long time but i always you know if anyone knows me like most of my life i have it really short and i wanted my barbies to look like me so i would like cut their hair my mom you know who's a hairdresser would show me how to french braid on the barbie so i've got like a bunch of french braided barbies and a bunch of you know short hair <laughs> barbies which i guess would be weird barbie um but i think it's a nod to like you know again my creativity and so many of us right who were, were creative and like you know doing weird things with barbie um but I, yeah i want to say like i get all the critiques and i think all the critiques are are valid right minus maybe the like anti-feminist critiques because anyway but like i get you know because it, a one movie can't do everything. And I think we, we want to remember that in any kind of representation, right? That oftentimes we're so hungry for any kind of alternative representation of things that we expect that one representation to somehow do everything, right? To undo all the things of patriarchy, right? When we look at the history of film and, you know, patriarchy has used thousands and thousands and thousands of films to perpetuate itself, right? Um, to perpetuate patriarchal and white supremacist propaganda, right? For so long, we're not going to undo all of that in one film. One film is just not enough, right? It's, again, especially when it's dealing with all these other factors, right? All these other um, limitations on, you know, what they can do. Although I think Greta Gerwig, considering this is a very this is like a mainstream, you know, big budget film. And she's more of a, you know, art house kind of director. I think she was able to really toe that line pretty well. I mean, you can definitely see some of her, um, like fingerprint on this, right? Like that whole dancing with Ken, I was like, where the F did this come from? Right. <clears throat> or even just, I don't know, some of the, the aesthetics of the film and the pace of the film. I thought the pace of the film was really interesting, right? Like, 
it was a lot slower than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be this like fast paced film and it was a lot more slow. Like it really lets you like breathe into the film, um, which it was kind of interesting. And so it kind of reads as like a mainstream film, but also a little bit of like, I think Greta Gerwig's um, experience in, in more, you know, maybe independent filming or different, you know, so um, I think she told the line really well, but I, I do think we have to sometimes just really, you know, remember the expectations that one movie um, cannot solve or address all the problems of patriarchy, right? And when we when we see a film and we can appreciate it for what it does, but then also see its limitations, what we then say is we don't throw out the movie, right? Like, I just don't believe in that. I think that we can say, okay, let's take what works and let's appreciate what works and demand more, right? Because again, patriarchy has had thousands and thousands of films to do all kinds of different things with. And if we're going to say we want more, fe we want feminist films to really address the, the, the true nuances of it. There's so many aspects of life, right? There's so many aspects of patriarchy that need to be addressed. There's so many aspects of feminism that can be addressed, right? And one film is not going to do that. And so we just need to demand more and more and more representation rather than expecting one representation to do it all and get mad at that and throw it out if it doesn't address everything. It's to say, oh, this is just a reminder <clears throat> that we need more, right? We need more films directed by women, more films directed by women of color, more films directed by trans women, more films directed by disabled women, right? Like we need to see the full scope of um, experiences, right? Um, so I think I just want to remind people that, right? When we look at a film and we're like, ooh, you know, like, okay, does this okay? But, you know, it's, it's lacking here. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a license to just throw the film out film out altogether i think we can say like i'm trying to say right like i appreciate it for what it did great i also see its limitations and this just means we need more maybe we need another barbie movie <laughs> right maybe we need the a movie exploring like you know because i think there's the art itself right so in this case barbie is the art itself it is the toy right it is this pop culture phenomenon but then there is our as the audience, right, our, as the consumer, our relationship with Barbie. And again, there's so much agency and there's so much diversity and there's so much creativity in that, that whatever Barbie's initial intentions were can shift so much, you know, by the time it comes to what our relationship with Barbie is. So maybe there's, there's a possibility to, to explore that, right? Like for me as a writer, how did Barbie allow me in a world where, girls are not supposed to be doing that, right? And where creativity is supposed to be stifled in so many ways. Like how did Barbie give me an outlet to be able to express my creativity in a way that I couldn't otherwise, right? Um, and, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, I'm like 41, right? I was playing with Barbies when, I, let's say 10, right? So 30 years later, girls, right, um, are, do have a little bit more options than I did, right, to express that. Um, so what does the relationship of, of girls now look like with Barbie, you know? Um, so anyway, this is just saying we need more, right? We can't expect one representation to do it all. It's just a reminder. So I think everybody should go see it. I really, really do. I don't think there's a reason not to see it. I know there's a lot of critiques and there's a lot of things to be said. And and I, I still have to kind of go down those rabbit holes of what people are seeing, um, you know, if, if they're saying not to watch the film or whatever, but 
I just, I think that, um, I think it, at the very least, it opens up a conversation and I, I'm all about opening up conversations, right? So, and I think for me, it was very nice, right? And healing, I think, for me to see this, like, for me, a full circle moment. You know, I loved Barbie, you know, maybe before I was feminist or maybe it's what made me feminist. <laughs> I've been exploring that a lot, like, what made me feminist? And then I look back at my childhood. I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of things, right? That point, all the arrows are pointing to it. This is what I was going to be. But nonetheless, right? And then here I am coming back to like this child, inner child, you know, relationship with Barbie, but also exploring like feminist concepts. So um, it was, I loved it. I, I love seeing it, you know, and I would see it again. Um, and I appreciate, you know, all the limitations on it as well. I appreciate all the critiques. I think it's all valid. So hopefully that's what, um, I don't know. I hope that, you know, I was getting some DMS when I said that I went to go see, they're like, what do you think? Right. So I would say that I liked the movie. I think it has its limitations. Um, but overall, I think that, um, it's maybe a sign that we're headed in a positive direction. Oh, I always kind of kick myself saying those kinds of things because there's a lot of backlash right now. Um, but I think it can be powerful. I think there's something here, right? Overall. So yeah, that's episode two. Um, I, I actually want to, you know, maybe put this out like, I, I love doing movie reviews, especially movies that I want to see and have like vested interest in seeing and unpacking and critiquing. So maybe tell me if y'all want me to, if there's a movie that you want my review on, or um, I, I do, I do have one in the pocket. I want to review Flaming Hot because there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of think pieces about that film. And, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out a really strategic and interesting way to give my critique on that film. Um, and I do want to do some pop culture roundups because there's been so much going on. Right. Um, but if there's anything you want me to talk about, you want me to review, you want me to watch, you want me to listen to, you want my opinion on, let me know, hit me up at Lemus on Instagram. Um, you can email me at, um, info at lasdoctoras.com. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next one. Bye.